0: If I could put them in a jar, I know wouldn't stop, i do it if I, could. I hope you know I would. All right. Recording? Yep. All righty. Hello, and welcome to My So Pod Life, the podcast where we lovingly examine the most sexless teenage romp that is My So-Called <laughs> Life Goes On. We're your hosts, Kate. And Shannon. Welcome back, everybody. Episode three of season two of our examination of this book. I have no sight business, so (laughs) let's get... Unless you have anything to say. I have nothing. All right. Let's get right into chapter five of My So-Called Life Goes On. So to recall from last week, Angela and Jordan are stranded at the lake after Red wouldn't start just as Jordan was trying to lure Angela into the car for sexy makeout and maybe more times. As Jordan suspected... Angela accuses him of killing the car battery on purpose to trap her in the middle of nowhere to have sex with her. Angela, if you suspect that your boyfriend would drive you to the middle of nowhere, purposely sabotage your transportation, put your safety in jeopardy, and trap you in isolation to force sex on you, maybe don't date that guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are so many other boys that you could be dating.
0: I, and like if you if that would even occur to you to blame to like suspect that of your boyfriend, then that's not a good guy to be with. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, he took her to the F-shack, which was disgusting. Right. They broke up over it because she didn't want to have her first time be in a gross squatter's house just entering. <laughs> <laughs> And now they're yeah. back together and all of a sudden the car won't start. So That's true. I'm not mad at her for having the suspicion. Um, yeah. But yeah, why is she still with him?
0: Yeah. No, I'm not trying to like a victim blame her. I'm just saying like, mm. l- look directly at this red flag. <laughs> <laughs> it is bright. Acknowledge it. <laughs> um, okay. So although Angela thinks to herself, quote, I was so ready to do it with him and this ruins everything unquote. And this actually feels like another well-timed excuse to avoid sex with Jordan, like Mm -hmm. Rayanne at the abandoned house, like a real, oh, man, the car won't start. And I was so ready for all the sex to happen. Shucks. Oh, well, moment. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But a a head case like Angela would probably be too worried about the logistics of it anyway to actually even get it up for a doing scenario. (laughs) It would be like Fort Knox down there. You know, there's, she would just be all in her head the whole time.
0: True. That's true. <laughs>
1: um, okay,
0: so Jordan says they'll have to wait for another car to come by to get a battery jump because, as we mentioned in the last episode, this is before AAA, and, you know, you just have to, like, hope that mm-hmm. someone comes by to help you. Angela says that they should have had a cell phone to call someone. And this brings me to bone of contention number three. Bone of contention. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so the text copyright of this book is 1999. So within that context, it's accurate that Angela would say that they should have a cell phone. But the story is supposed to pick up the summer after the show ended, which was in 1995, when I don't think cell phones were as common a thing. So that discrepancy was confusing. Yeah,
1: I agree. I got hung up on that anachronism too. It was a time of beepers, for one thing. Yeah. And I as a person who didn't have a cell phone until 2008 i highly disagree with that statement that they should have had a cell phone
0: yeah and so like once again i googled this okay so cell phones definitely existed in the early to mid 90s but they weren't commonplace they were still used by like business executives and like wall street guys yeah like the brick Um, phones yeah, and it was more common to have a pager at this time, like you said. So average person's cell phone use didn't become a thing until late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that Angela would be aware of cell phones, but it's not a normal thing that she or Jordan or like any average teen would have had at the time. So it's for sure weird that it would have been in her vernacular to suggest it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This has been cell phone cop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Jordan would have been like, cell phone? <laughs>
0: uh okay angela changes her mind and approaches jordan suggesting that maybe they should do it geez back on the sex (laughs) seesaw
1: in
0: In typical jordan fashion he interrupts her by kissing her so glad he's still practicing that signature move he is so
1: aggressive in such an awkward way are we supposed to think it's sexy though like does he find her mm-hmm. so attractive that he has to kiss her, like, right now? Or is it an immaturity thing? I remember from the series that he, I think he said, that he kissed her to shut her up. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. What or is- it's
0: like, he's, he's definitely aware that he does. I think it's just, like, his move. Because he's aware he does it because he apologized for it in, like, a couple of the episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just his thing, like, well, you know. This will shut her up and she can't be mad at me yeah. <laughs> because I'm kissing her. Yeah. So um, Bozo. I know. Just then a, a truck drives by, so he stops kissing her to go ask the driver for a jump start. So sex foiled again, <laughs> Shrug? Uh, I don't know. Um, when Angela comes in late that night, she recounts the whole car not starting saga for Patty Cake, a.k.a. Mrs. Chase. Uh-oh. Yeah, The author refers to Patty as Mrs. Chase, which is somehow worse and more insulting and further removed than Patty Chase in its formality. Definitely. Yeah. What
1: What is is happening? What is happening? (laughs) We are just sliding backwards from ever being a part of (laughs) Patty's life. Like, I almost want to be like, who's Mrs. Chase? (laughs) (laughs) Some weird aunt? What is happening?
0: I know. (sighs) Okay, so... uh, In a very uncharacteristic move, which is, like, even more so than calling her Mrs. Chase, Patty thinks that this whole situation of being stranded at the lake with Jordan is, quote, romantic. Nope. And thank you. This is some straight-up BS, because... The Patty that we know would have lost her dang mind (laughs) over this. Like, remember when Angela came back from the animal bag backyard party covered in mud and Patty acted like Angela had just been released from like a hostage situation? (laughs)
1: Exactly, (laughs) yes. And there's no way that Patty let go of her mom grip on Angela overnight. I just don't buy it. She's, this is not her in her character. It's not in her nature to do this. She's got two daughters. She is an overprotective mother. That's what she is. It doesn't just stop because they're on summer break.
0: No. And we've only established that Patty is like tightly wound and not up for fun and certainly wouldn't think that this whole thing was with Jordan is, quote, romantic. Like she didn't even want Angela to get in a car with him because it has doors and seats and is basically an apartment. (laughs) (laughs) And didn't want him driving anywhere until they met him. And now all of a sudden, she's just gone for the night with no phone call. Okay, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> You're the mother of a teenage girl. If your daughter went out with her boyfriend and, and rolled in at 1.30 in the morning, no phone call, and said that she got, quote, stranded at a lake... And you know for certain there are no lakes around for miles. <laughs> would you be respo- or would you respond by like swooning over how romantic the whole thing is A- and also you're Patty Chase. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I am Patty Chase and there's no way. There's no way. That would be like punishable by several weeks <laughs> of like hawking over her like yes. Yeah, and especially I mean you know, it, it's it's a little out of character for Angela. I know that she's sort of getting her wings and she's becoming sort of a different person, having different friends. Patty right. hated all of that. First of all,
0: she yes. hated
1: Rayanne. She didn't like that Ricky person. It was <laughs> it was just like I said, not in her nature to accept any new personality from Angela. So this is a huge step off the bridge for Angela. And no, Patty's not accepting this. No way.
0: No, not accepting, let alone not being like, oh, that's so romantic. Yeah,
1: absolutely not. Mm-mm. It makes her seem like, I don't know, like a hopeless, uh, I don't know, like some, some of the moms that still wish that they were teens and they kind of lived it through their kids. It makes kid. her
0: sound like Amber, yes. like Leanne's mom,
1: Amber. Yep.
0: This is an Amber move. This is not a Patty move. Yes. Yeah. I just find this egregious. <laughs> <laughs> when Angela asks if Graham is home uh, yet, since it's established that it is 1.30 in the morning, Patty relays that he had to stay up late with Hallie at the restaurant to deal with some supply emergency Angela's once again suspicious of all the time that he's spending with this Hallie Lowenthal person. Supply
1: emergency. Come on, Graham. (laughs) (laughs) So Angela and Jordan's sex life may be stalled out, but what about Graham and Hallie? I know. I don't. mm.
0: This Hallie Lowenthal person. I don't trust it. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the next morning, we're at Casa Krakow, where Brian is doing homework at the breakfast table. The phone rings, and it's Jordan calling to tell Brian that he got his number from Sharon. Quote, you know, the one with the big, you know, jugs, hooters, bazooms, <laughs> melons. I brain? You, you're both so gross.
1: Oh, Sharon and her sweater puppies. Yeah. There's just way too much hooter talk, like for me i I mean i know boys will be boys and i'm sure that boys Mm -hmm. talk like that to each other but we don't need to be subjected to it it is gross
0: no and this is gross for jordan to barely know sharon and then uh, refer to her as the one with the big you know
1: right like not you know sharon angela's friend yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's as simple as that
0: sharon you know the girl that you've known since childhood (laughs) Okay, Jordan says that if Brian can't tutor him, then he's going to quit the tutoring program. He doesn't like other people knowing about his problem reading because they'll think that he's stupid, and Brian can't <laughs> argue with this. <laughs> <laughs> then Jordan tempts Brian to come back to tutoring by offering to teach him how to pick up girls. And this is good enough for Brian, so he agrees. Ew, uh,
1: this is the blind leading the blind, by the way. Yeah. The only pickup skills Jordan has are his looks – and that alluring flannel tied around his waist. <laughs> <laughs> his boots. Yeah. But these guys have no idea how to finesse a relationship, let alone, quote, pick up women. Yeah. Good luck, you jabronis. Your... <laughs> they belong together. They they deserve each other.
0: They do. Because what's, what's Jordan going to say? Like, oh, OK, um, step one, tell her only benign facts about yourself. Don't ask her anything about herself. <laughs> like <laughs> Step two, whenever she starts talking, interrupt her by kissing her, because who cares what she has to say anyway? Um, Step three, force yourself on her. And then when she stands up for herself and says that she's not ready to have sex with you, accuse her of being abnormal and stop talking to her. And then, oh, and then step four, immediately have sex with her best friend, (laughs) because that's what you do. And then step five, manipulate the guy who truly loves her into writing an apology letter that you will then pass off as your own. And when she starts to suspect that you didn't write it, shut her up with step two. <laughs> like, this has been the Jordan Catalano good method for getting girls good. <laughs> what What is he going to teach him? He has nothing to teach him. Absolutely. He's a dirtbag. This is also the end of chapter five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: Man, these two together. Brian. I know. I, I, what no. kind of a weird... This is a a weird uh relationship to latch onto here.
0: Yeah, and I get that it was kind of established at the end of the show with the letter because, writing, yeah. Yeah, because Brain Crakeau was like tutoring him and and Jordan got that girl's number for him and all that. Like so I get that this was already kind of like introduced. Yeah. But I don't buy these I just these don't two. get
1: that Jordan would even care enough about summer school to like right you know cajole brian into tutoring him he doesn't care about school he doesn't care no jordan so easily just drop out
0: yeah he would take the first excuse to not go to tutoring (laughs) if he was like if brian was like yeah i'm not going to tutor you anymore he'd be like great now i have more time to like smoke and play with my band yeah he would not he wouldn't fight to be in tutoring no
1: (laughs) (laughs) please brian oh please i know there's no way. But,
0: but my education. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, okay. So we're going to move on to chapter six. This chapter opens with two lovely things. One, Ricky and Corey about, are about to go on a not date together. And two, the author describes Ricky's glorious not date outfit. Oh. For the sake of our listeners, I'll just go ahead and quote the author. Quote, Ricky was wearing a vintage brown cowboy-style shirt with a big collar and embroidered cacti and horses stitched onto the chest pockets. Mm-hmm. Unquote.
1: I want that shirt.
0: No kidding. And I want to see Ricky in that shirt because you know that he found it like a thrift store, a yep. vintage store, and just made it look amazing. Yep. Whew. Um, Corey compliments Ricky's shirt. Yeah, good. (laughs) As Ricky wonders internally why he dresses for the attention when he actually hates the attention, Uh, because, Ricky, you're a shooting star, never dull your shine. (laughs) What are you even talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Katimsky asks about the boys' plans, and it turns out that they are going to have a meeting about their movie at Java Creek where Delia works. There's no script yet, but they've, quote, sketched out a lot of ideas.
1: Corey's setting up a book. Oh, sorry, I sorry, was going to say, this is coming really quickly on the heels of the play, by the way. Yes,
0: like they're just both, they're doing both simultaneously. They're, yeah,
1: they're just, they must be just so full of inspiration that they just can't have one outlet. Yeah. They need multiple outlets. <laughs> For acting.
0: <laughs> Corey's setting up locations and Ricky's writing the story, which has a really solid beginning. Quote, it starts in a coffee place and then... Well, let's just call it a work in progress, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Katimsky waves goodbye and wishes them good luck from the doorway. And Corey asks Ricky what it's like living with Mr. K. Ricky says Katimsky is a good listener. And I think I speak for all of us when I say, God bless you,
1: Mr. Katimsky, you angel on earth. I love it. This is so perfect.
0: Yes. This is what Ricky needs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although I... I, mm, I would love to know if Mr. Katimsky is still with his, like, mm-hmm. sweater-wearing partner guy. Yeah. Because there's not really mention of him. But um... I was just assuming
1: that they were. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, smash cut to Brian, straight cold, lurking outside Delia's place of employment, Dang. literally staring at her through the window like a creep and feeling sorry for himself because girls don't like him. Then he gale the snails up to the counter and waits for a very busy Delia
1: to notice him. Why can't he just be a person? This I is all know. just so, and gale the snail is absolutely a perfect <laughs> picturesque way to describe how I see him doing this in my head. Just like sniveling and mm-hmm. looking down at the ground and
0: yeah, just like wishing stuff. he could disappear.
1: But yeah. But still, for yeah. whatever reason, feeling like he needs to do this.
0: And picture this in real time. Like, she's working and he's just staring at her through the window. Like, yeah. standing close to the window, staring at her. And then just kind of, like, creepily so uncomfortable. just, like, slogs in. And then stands there and waits for him to, or her to notice him instead of being like, hey, what's yeah. up? Like, he just stands there. Yep. So he finally says hi and, quote, tries to make eye contact, unquote. <laughs> she turns bright red as soon as she realizes it's Brian. Brian flounders for conversation, has no idea what to even order, so Delia suggests a chai. She's being way too accommodating while trying to make him feel uncomfortable, trying to make him feel comfortable with this whole interaction. Mm-hmm. And then he asks, he asks her if she's working alone, and oh my gosh, somebody call the
1: police! <laughs> seriously, <laughs> yeah. seriously, girl, get an escort out to your car after work tonight.
0: Yes. Are you working alone? Um, <laughs> no. No, there there's 15- like seven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, giant, <laughs> muscly dudes in the back who are very protective of me. Uh, what? How do you? Uh, are you working alone? Please notice me. Girls don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Just then, Rayanne, Ricky, and Corey burst onto the scene. The threesome start talking to Delia about their film when Brian horns in and says that he knows about a lot about cameras. <laughs> okay, and offers to be the cameraman. Rayanne alludes to filming sex scenes, and then suddenly Brian is off to the grossest internal fantasy land Mm. of him and Amber, quote, doing it Mm -mm. in one of the x-ray rooms. I know. (laughs) Mm.
1: (laughs) It's so gross. But I did laugh out loud when he described Amber taking off her lead apron. (laughs) (laughs) Like, sexily removing this
0: weighted... Like,
1: it's (laughs) part of the fantasy. The lead apron made it into the fantasy somehow.
0: Yeah, and then obviously they for sure do it on like the the table yeah. that's like adjustable under the X ray thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Gross.
0: Ugh. Okay, so then Angela and Lewis come into the coffee shop, and many introductions follow. Ran is immediately into Lewis. Brian awkwardly announces that he lives next door to Angela, to which Ran responds, "Crack out! Nobody cares where you live." <laughs> Truth. Seriously,
1: <word laughs> stop girl. It.
0: Um, Lewis laments that a customer tipped him in quarters, but it was a $16 tip. And then Rayanne wonders aloud if maybe she should work there for that kind of money. We also find out that Rayanne recently got fired from her job at Juice Stop because she slept with a customer.
1: Okay. Hold up. Yeah. How is this a fireable (laughs) offense? I need to know. Did she sleep with the customer in the store or Hmm. did the customer tell on her to the management? Because just having a relationship with a customer is not a fireable offense
0: no or not even a relationship even just sleeping with a customer like how how would management have found out about that she was bragging about it and but even still it's like it
1: still wouldn't matter yeah this girl needs she needs some uh people in her corner to help her (laughs) to help her know like what is fair and what is not fair and when she's being discriminated against because she should still have that job
0: yeah, no, I don't think you can get fired for that. I mean, my my sister in law met her husband because she was working in a retail store, and he came. In, they didn't sleep together in the store, but they started dating while she was working there, and he I was a customer who just a lot. came in. Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot. So, so I don't know what's going on at Juice Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rayanne asks Angela where Jordan is, and we find out that he's at band practice with his band Residue, oh, yes. rehearsing for the giant neighborhood block party they're playing on July Fourth called Summerfest. So RIP frozen embryos, I guess. Mm-hmm. Also never a mention of Tino in this book. So I yeah. guess he took the band name when he disappeared into the ether from whence he came. Yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> That's I I was wondering about that too. Um but then yeah, I remembered that he, so he and Tino had a falling out. Tino mm-hmm. took off and then he had uh Jordan had mentioned that he couldn't or he didn't know if he could use the band name anymore. Right. So yeah. I guess that's how it ended. Tino's gone yeah. and it's residue now.
0: <laughs> but also where's Tino? <laughs> like, I, He's
1: around. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's around. He'll be at yeah. Summerfest. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So Brian glances over at Delia to find that she's looking right at him. So he gets back in line to order again because he thinks this is the only way that he can get Delia to talk to him, I guess. <laughs> And then he leaves us with this gem, quote, to fall in love with someone, you have to make sacrifices. It's in all the world's truly great literature and in all the self-help books mom and dad leave around the house, unquote. <laughs> what sacrifices has he made or is even talking about?
1: Right. And also, Brian, you're not in love. You're horny. So yeah, let's first of all, <laughs> let's get that out of the way. And then but like the self-help books that mom and dad leave around the house. Oh, man, yes. that's I'm I'm track howing this because I'm yeah. telling you, his parents <laughs> messed him up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I guess maybe he doesn't have a good exam. I mean, the only thing we've ever heard about his parents are that they were fighting mm-hmm. like we heard them fighting. Yeah. And then we they possibly went on a cruise slash possibly went to denver <laughs> to visit his sister over christmas yeah um but i i feel like they are maybe not like the best example for him oh they also have a vibrator that's loud like a lawnmower oh my god.
1: now gosh. i don't know
0: what to think i totally <laughs>
1: forgot about that uh, poor brian okay, yes. see now but I'm, i don't now i'm starting to feel bad for him because his his yeah his model for love sucks
0: yeah. No, don't feel bad for him. I know. But also like to fall in love with someone you have to make sacrifices. What is he talking? What it's What is he talking about?
1: It's <laughs> like so much hyperbole and just like that flowery thing that we all do with our inner monologue where we feel so like we're the only ones in the world that have ever felt this way or that have ever been yeah. through this and everything's terrible for us. It, that's exactly what he's doing. Sacrifices? No.
0: Just, yeah, I don't understand what sacrifices he has made in reference and in, in reference to Angela. Maybe I don't in know. Spending all his
1: money at Big Guy Burger, looking for Delia's home address.
0: <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I just I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's the end of that chapter. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and now we've come to our feature where we look for the parts of these chapters where we think the author really hit the mark so that this isn't just like a bucket of hate directed at this book. (laughs) (laughs) So it is time for I Meant Every Word.
1: Oh, I meant every word. I mean, the person who wrote it meant every word.
0: All right, Shannon, what did you like from
1: these past two chapters? (sighs) These were tough. These chapters were full of garbage. Not a lot to choose from. (laughs) Um, But I... I know we didn't go into depth uh, talking about it on the podcast, but um, at the top of this chapter, they the author talks about um, Mr. Katimsky and Ricky's yes. home life a little bit. I think there's a talk of muffins, maybe. I think that's in a future chapter, but yeah, okay. just the fact
0: that he's living with him. Yeah, yes.
1: and and that was a very nice addition. I th- I know I already used the Mister Katimsky adopts Ricky thing as one of my other favorites, but you know <laughs> these are hard to come by. So
0: yeah, and it's nice it's nice for us to be reassured that Ricky's okay and that he has some stability. It's mm-hmm. just like thank you for giving us that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. Um... <laughs> This is a stupid detail, but I do really like that that we learn, because just because I'm so excited for it to come up, um, Jordan's band is playing Summerfest. Mm. I'm excited about that detail. I do like that they're not called Frozen Embryos, because I feel like that would have been really lazy for the author to just, because it's like, oh, it's established that he's in a band called Frozen Embryos. Mm-hmm. I like that she paid attention to the fact that he can't be, that he can't use that name anymore, and that now yeah. they're called Residue, and Residue is a perfect 90s nirvana (laughs) ripoff boy band yeah you know not boy band but like boy grungy band whatever name um so yeah Yeah. i i know that's a dumb detail but i really really was like when when i read it i was like
1: yeah well, it's because you see the appreciation that the author has as a fan of the series yeah which is yeah kind of also what i'm looking for are those moments where you can tell that she wrote this book not just because she wanted to hook up all the characters and make everyone have sex with each other, but that right. she wanted to actually further some of the storylines and flesh them out a little bit. So I agree. Yeah. That's and, good.
0: And give something to the fans because the show stopped so abruptly. So yeah, yeah so I'm excited for Residue and Summerfest. Yes. <laughs> Those things both just like piqued my interest. A
1: lot happens at Summerfest. This will be good.
0: Yes. And with that, we have reached the end of this week's episode. So join us next week to find out if Rayanne does, in fact, get a job at Fiore. And what happens when Angela, Rayanne, and Sharon hit the town for a ladies Ooh. night. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Join us each week for a new episode of My Pod Life. Follow us on Instagram at My Life to check out visuals and trivia from the show. You can also get in touch with us at mysoapodlife at gmail.com. And please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcastery.